everybody. Welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. I need you to pay attention right now and like stop everything that you're doing because we have something very special, a big announcement. I'm here with my good friend, Miss Kim Green, and she has something she wants to let everybody know about, and it's pretty it's pretty near and dear to my heart. And so, Kim, uh, tell us. Well, thank yes. you for having me. Yes, thank yes. Thank you for having me. I'm Kim Green, and I am a business manager for a youth football team. Had the privilege of knowing Corey and having his awesome son on our team. And the and these these children on our team are comprised of kids that are what. 12, 13 years old. Some of them are going to high school next year, and they have a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to go to Florida and play in the Tackle Football National Championship. They've done something special this season. Yes, they have. They are a really good team, and what's their record right now? They are 10-0, and 0, folks. 10-0. and 0. Yeah, baby! 10-0! and 0. That and means something. It does. These kids started training in June. They did their tough 20s for 20 days in a row. I've watched them work really hard. I mean, every day practice. Uh, I mean, and, and like now, understand this. In Arizona, June is like super. It is like 110 degrees. And when they put their pads on, I think that week, it was like 113. So these boys have been through hell and back. Yes, they have. <laughs> and, um, but, um, and so we, uh, you are doing a. Fundraiser. A fundraiser. Yes, I am. I so am tell them what you need them to do. I need you to go online to sendtheteam.com and donate some money to the team. Okay, we so because there's a cost to go to There Florida. is a huge cost. Um, We're sending like 30 kids. 30 and, kids. And all the chaperones and stuff like that. Coaches. Um, they're in Florida for a week. They have a chance to play at least three games. Yeah. And in between, they're going to do their studies because, of course, they all these study. kids are good athletes, too. And, these kids are going somewhere yeah, in life. Yeah, they really, they really are. are. And, what, and they're also going um, to Universal Studios. Like, you got to make it fun, right? Heck yeah. They have a fun night where they have a roll out a red carpet. They give awards out and the kids get to spend time at Universal Studios yeah. in Florida. So it's going to be a really, I mean, honestly. And now I'm very partial to this because my son plays on the team. And um, it's been a really neat. We have three high school coaches. Yes. Like high school level yes. coaches that are on our team they are. and yes. giving instruction to these boys and to watch their growth has been amazing. It's huge. It is huge. So where you need to go again is sendtheteam.com and any donation that they can make, um, we would greatly appreciate it. Um, our goal is to raise $10,000. Now, just so you know, uh, Corey Peterson, homie Peterson, I've already donated over like $10,000. I'm going to pay for everybody's flights. Yes. To get, to get us get there. there. And so, but we still need, um, I mean, food, hotels, food. Hotel. Oh, yeah, these and boys do a lot. It's seven. We have to stay the full seven days. Yeah, you we can't even stay. leave early. Because they do games every other day. We'll do studying. Yeah, so we need food. Yeah. So And food, these boys eat a lot. Work. Like, are you ever, if you guys know, have 12-year-olds, 11, 12-year-olds, <laughs> they're like human garbage. Oh, my gosh. I have boys at my house all the time, and Costco <laughs> runs all the time, which we'll, we, we will be doing that when we're in Florida. Yeah. Get so some snacks. It's going to be a lot of fun. So what's the website one more time? Sendtheteam.com. Anything you can do helps, folks. We would greatly appreciate it. Help these kids. I mean, some of these kids on the team, single moms, they... 
they just would They're never struggling. get this yes, opportunity yes. again. And yes. I'm just asking you, sendtheteam.com. And Corey, I greatly appreciate you having me uh, on your thank show you so today. Much, thank you so hey, much. Hey, there you guys have it. Sendtheteam.com. Go there right now. Pause the podcast, whatever you're doing. Go there and show us, show me the love. Listen, we don't ever ask for anything on this podcast. But this one time, I'm going to make a special exception, and I would love for you to go to sendtheteam.com on our GoFundMe account, and uh, and please give a, a generous donation. Thanks, thanks, thanks. All right, now let's get on to the show. So the big question is this. Are you tired of the hustle and grind of fix and flip? Do you really think you can wholesale your way to success? What you really want is a cash flowing portfolio that lets you live a life of freedom, sunsets and palm trees on your terms. But what if you're stuck because you have no capital, no time and no idea where to start? That ends now. Your host, Corey Peterson, is a rags to riches real estate millionaire who started out with no money or credit and quickly grew a portfolio of cash flowing apartments. Not to mention, he did it all with other people's money. You're only one deal away from creating the cash flow life, and the Multifamily Legacy Podcast will show you how. So now, here's your host, the big kahuna, Corey Peterson. Hey everybody, welcome to the Multifamily Legacy Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Peterson. You are in for a super duper surprise because first of all, I want to let everybody know this is my 52nd episode, number 52. That means I've been doing this thing for over a year because I missed a couple episodes, okay? So it's one year anniversary and I couldn't think of anybody better than to introduce my my guest I'm going to bring on here in just a second. But before I do that, I want to go into one of the things I love the most, and those are my iTunes referrals, right? So you guys, when you go out there and you give me these referrals, I mean, I really appreciate them. They're always really good. And so the last uh, the last referral I got, I'm just going to read one real quickly. Most recent comes from Ed Aguillo. Been listening to all multifamily podcasts and iTunes for a couple of years now, and Corey's podcast stands way out in front of the pack as the best. While there are other podcasts that will discuss multifamily from time to time, I found that Corey's is the only one that focuses strictly in multifamily and provides real guidance as to how we can leverage his and his partner's knowledge and experience together with other people's money, OPM. To make a fortune in real estate. So awesome job, Corey. Keep up the great work. Hey, so uh, Ed, thank you so much for that review, man. That was a long one, but it was awesome. And, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. Hey, that stuff gets me jacked up, man. I I really like, I love giving shout outs for one. And B, it just lets me know that I'm on track, right? So this is affecting people. Uh, This is one of the fastest growing podcasts around right now. And, and, And it's because, A, we, we do what we say we're going to do. Like we, we deliver on the promise of like real estate and I don't have any uh, better, uh, like th- to show you how like that is in like in true life, I've got my best friend, good friend, Brian Ponciano, BP Yo. Uh, here on the show today. And what's bro, up, guys? what's up? So <laughs> BP, BP has been doing, man, I knew BP when BP was, and we've already done one show with him, but I, I had to bring him back on because right now he's tearing it up. He's tearing it up 
in multi. BP came to my multifamily course, and he was already started to do multifamily, but he went all in, brother. So yes. I want to introduce my good friend Brian Paciano. Hey, thank you What's for having up? me, Corey. Thank you, thank you for having me. Thank you for having me back. It is such a pleasure to be here. And as you said, I have gone all in in the aspect of cash flow. Uh, I talked about this last time on our previous show. I know that I talked about this when we interviewed you on our podcast, which is under on the uh, AZ Flip Guys. You can search us on the AZ Flip Guys. You can also search for our show under uh, the Flipping Friday Show. Me and my business partner Chris Ontiveros, uh, we we talk about everything related to real estate. We're just two ordinary guys doing extraordinary things, talking about real estate mindset and everything in between. But one of the things that I kick myself the most in the ass to this day is not listening to you five years ago. Um, the day that I went to your house and, and you were teaching me about raising money and you were telling me, yeah, fixing and flipping is cool, but check out this multifamily stuff. And I was so dead set on fixing and flipping because that's what I wanted to do. Because That's what I needed to do. Because That's in my head. That's what I needed to be doing. Um, that, that's probably one of the, my biggest regrets uh, in my career is not listening to you at that point. So uh, once I once I got the message, <laughs> once I learned, I, I decided to go all in. I'm actually BP I, got the download from the mothership. Yes, yes. I, as of last year, man, I was doing 15 flips at a time. So I was I was churning and burning these things all over the place. Uh, and right now, I'm actually I have my very last flip on the market. I'm waiting for to get rid of that motherfucker, and I am so glad. Like I am so glad to and never ever look at another flip in my life ever again. Oh, hold, hold on, hold on. I gotta. I forgot. I gotta give this closure. Oh crap! Yeah, shit. <laughs> <laughs> this episode may be filled with a couple choice words, and uh, BP is just who BP is, and he's always been that way, and he don't care. And so, listen. So if you're offended, tune in the next week. But if you like it, like, trust me, like Gary V is way better or we're, well, I don't know. I would say him and Gary V about the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, and here's the thing is I would try to keep it to a minimum because it no, is. Don't like, do that. Just some people, uh, so, some people, you know, some people miss the message because they get offended by the language. And if you're one of those people that they're it's a little bit sensitive to language, I will tell you not to judge a book by its cover. I was in my mastermind meeting today. I was talking about, hey guys, I got a brand new deal. I got this opportunity to invest in two, two different uh, multifamily deals that we just locked up. And uh, some guy in the mastermind group came up to me and said, you know what, man? I finally listened to your podcast last week. I love the show that you guys were talking about. It. I, I love the story about how you were sharing how you got this new multifamily deal. And uh, I just want to tell you, I'm sorry because I judged you by your looks. You know, I judged the book by its cover by based on what I, I heard you talk and I didn't really know that you were this knowledgeable about things. Uh, so, you know, once again, guys, if you guys are one of those people that tend to get offended, just, just get over it. There's a lot of good information. And if it really, really does offend you, then tune in another week. Cause I am who I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey man, you don't have to make, be, be, make any apologies for who you are. Like, listen, we all come from somewhere. Right. And um, you know, the biggest problem I see with most people out there is they are not authentic. No, they are one way in front of one people and then they go to another group of people and like, that's a chameleon. And what, like, who are you supposed to be today? Like, that's gotta be a hell of a curse to like, try to be somebody that you're not all the time. Yeah. I went to a Jack Bosch seminar, our good buddy, Jack Bosch. I went to his class last January for flipping land and stuff. And I met a lot of people. One of the people that I met was Nassar. 
I forget his last name, but he, he wrote a book called Flipping Houses Like Burgers. He, he goes up by uh, the real estate guru. So, you know, he's very well known out there. And he came up to me and he's like, look, I got to tell you, man, you're one of the few people that I've ever met that is the exact same way in real life as I see in social media. <laughs> and it is. It's very hard for people to be authentic. One of the things that I noticed when growing in this business is I thought I needed to be professional. And I'm putting up air quotes, professional. I thought that I needed to be clean cut. I thought that I needed to talk a certain way. I thought that I needed to dress a certain way. And that was just a bunch of bullshit that was taught to me as a little kid. You know, growing up in the ghettos of Los Angeles, I had, you know what, there was, a, there was a point in my life where I thought that every single white person was rich. I thought that only because you had light skin, somehow that meant that you have a bunch of money in your bank account and you were happy. I don't know where I got that concept, but it was something that was very real to me. As I learned, as I grew older, I learned that that wasn't true. But eventually, I had this concept that in order to me to be a business person, I had to be this professional person and I had to talk a certain way. And I remember doing that. And I remember that it just, it, it wasn't who I was. It wasn't, it, it made, it, I felt like I was dying on the inside. And honestly, it wasn't until I, until I mixed this personality that I had where I was doing open mic poetry. I mentioned before, I do poetry from time to time. I go by B to the motherfucking P. And just by the name, you can tell what type of poetry I do. So I mixed that personality with this business personality. And it, I just became whole. I became this person that I was. And now that I've been doing it, every once in a while, I piss off somebody. Every once in a while, somebody says, you know what? I can't take somebody who talks like you seriously. And I say, you know what? Go fuck yourself. That's all right. I'll talk to somebody else. <laughs> and for every one person that I piss off, I gain 10 people that love me, including you. I mean, from the first time that we met, you were like, I just love you, man. But the way that you talk, the way that you are, like you're just authentic. And to me, <laughs> the one thing that I value more than anything in anybody is authenticity. It's so missing in... Uh just in, in our in our industry, in the world, like listen, if, if people would just take off their mask, I mean, Halloween's right around the corner. Yes. And some people are wearing their mask right now. Yes, and it's not Halloween. Right. And uh, they only take it off at home when no one else is watching. Yes. Right. So they can be truly who they are. That's sad. Right. That's a that's a sad way to live. So, listen, let's talk about some real estate, brother. Yeah. Uh, you came to my boardroom event. And I remember I, I was like, dude, you got to come. You're like, I don't know. You didn't wait. You didn't push that hard. You're just like, hold on, hold on. And you're like, yep, we're coming. We're coming. We're so coming. What happened was that I had my first out-of-state deal locked up at that point. And That's, we were yep. supposed to go do our due diligence. The timing, yep. it just, yeah. It just so happened that your boardroom was literally the, the two days before or three days before I was supposed to fly out. Like, we went to your boardroom. We went home that night and we literally flew out the very next morning. So it was just like, bam, bam, we need to go in. And we didn't know if we were going to be able to schedule it in. I, you know, I had, I had mentioned to you before that I had seen the process. You know, when I was at your house five years ago you yeah. were about raising money, I remember you reaching into that drawer and getting all excited and, and showing me what eventually became the Kahuna boardroom. But, man, I am so, so, so glad that I went to the boardroom. Like, I am so, so glad. I, I, you know, I talk, being authentic, I don't believe in bullshit. I believe that there's enough bullshit already in the world, and the, the world doesn't need me to bullshit them even more. So what I believe is I believe in just giving credit to where credit is due. And when I went to the Kahuna boardroom, that was by far the best multifamily event that I had ever been to. 
and possibly one of the best events. I mean, honestly, with the addition of, with the exception of Secret Knock, which I got to get your ass over to Secret Knock, um, with the exception of that, man, because that's like, that's, I don't even, I can't even explain it. Uh, With the exception of that, man, what you did in Kahuna Boardroom was just amazing. Not only the lessons that you were teaching, but also the people that you had in the room and the experience that you had, everybody. You know, it was, it, it was, it was fun. It was educational. It was entertaining. It was interactive. Um, the you know there was a lot of things that were that were personalized touches that you don't get when you go to other events. A lot of times the other events you feel like a fucking number. You feel like you're just a cow being pushed through the system, just so at the end of the day that they could be like, hey, if you go to the back of the room right now, you're going to get fifty percent off the price of this, 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 this. You know, it becomes a pitch fest. And, yeah. and it wasn't like that when he went to the Kahuna boardroom. It we didn't pitch anything. <laughs> we didn't pitch anything. <laughs> yeah, no, it, it was it was. Really but I was pitching time. the whole time, though. I was pitching the whole time. Well, of course. And here's the thing: is that there's there's a way to do it, and there's a way not to do it. I was talking to one of my private money investors. Uh, she she had let me borrow some money. It was coming up to that time where we need to renew our contract or not. So she was talking to me and she's like, oh my God, I wish I was you. Like all you do is party all the time and travel and all you're doing is like hanging out and eating with people. And I said, yeah, it may look like that, but I'm actually working. I'm like, if you think back to the time that I got your money, what did we do? We went out to dinner. We went out, had some drinks. We had a good time. We laughed. At the end of the night, I told you what I was willing to offer. You agreed to it. You gave me some money. I gave you the contract that we had and we continued moving forward. Now it didn't seem like I was working, but in reality, I was working. So I was I working. Know, I was hustling that money, dude. <laughs> and I know, you know, I, you know, with with what you were doing, it, it, it to me, I was getting so much content, so much value from it that whatever you did pitch, I don't remember you pitching anything, even though I know how you pitched. I, I think uh, I just offered deal partnering because I was like, I was. Like I didn't want to sell anything at the. Board. Well, you we didn't, didn't sell anything. What you what you offered was I offered to partner. Yeah, and and I you know we brought you two deals so far. Me and my business partner Chris, both of them hadn't worked out. One of them we got real close. Uh, we we went back and real close. negotiated, and the guy would just he wouldn't come down to the number that we needed. Uh, but yeah, those were two potential deals that you wouldn't have had had we not had the opportunity to do that. Uh, yeah, because man. of that room, man, we met a lot of great people including uh, one of our private money lenders who helped us close on that Arkansas deal that we, that we were there right before the event. Boom, dude. Power of like people, right? It, it, listen, the reason we, I mean, intentionally it's application only because I'm trying to keep the quality of the room really good. Right. Yes. And so, you know, I'm just looking for people that really want, it's not so much that you got to have a lot of money or a lot of net worth, but I'm just looking for like truly real people that are not going to make excuses that want to do the business, right? Because, like, when the student's ready, the mentor appears, and I didn't want to, like, show up and not have a bunch of people that are, like, truly ready to go, right? Because that's a waste of everybody's time. It is. But you guys, you were already uh, moving into the multifamily space. You came to our event, and that's almost been a year ago. Like, it's not quite, but, like, it's been, we're coming up. It it was earlier. It was earlier. Yeah. But, um. What have you, you what, tell me what all your recent things you've been doing because it's been pretty cool. So, after the Kahuna boardroom, we, as I said, we got the Arkansas deal. Now, at that point, we had it in the contract. We went to go do our due diligence. Uh, thanks to the Kahuna boardroom, and, and especially when you were, when you had your property managers and the people that do the inspections, you know, they, they gave us a lot of good tips as to what we should be looking for. 
So we took a lot of that information. We ended up finding some information that we were able to renegotiate. And I think we negotiated down like 50000 from the original price. Yes, what I'm yeah. talking about, right? Uh, just, and, and honestly, at the price that we were going to buy it at, it was already a good deal to begin with. I was, I'm not going to be applying to Arkansas. It's not a good deal to begin with anyway. So because of that, we were able to take that same money uh, because of the people that we met at the Kahuna boardroom, especially one particular guy, he let us borrow some money to close on the deal. We had a few investors who had committed to giving us money, and then very last second they pull out. And you know, because I'm sure it's happened to you many, many times before. Uh, so we were able to close on that deal. We were able to to create the opportunities. We were able to then put um, implement these systems that we learned at the Kahuna boardroom. After we did that, and people started noticing because. Originally, we already owned two multifamilies here in the state of Arizona. But once people saw that I did it out of state, that opened up a whole different can of worms. Yeah, bro. Things literally started falling in my lap left and right. Uh, we ended up blocking up our first mobile home park, which ended up falling out, out of escrow. Uh, the, the seller didn't tell us a few things. Uh, we, we found out because of some of the techniques. And then at the end of the day, we had to cancel a contract. He thought he pulled a slick one by by yeah, by revealing his stuff after the contract was supposed to be the due diligence. He didn't see our clause in there that allowed us to get our money back. So nonetheless, that was our first mobile home park. That was in Florida. That didn't work out. We ended up getting a, an amazing opportunity over in um, in Tennessee. That one ended up not working out either. The, the sellers just weren't realistic with their numbers. We ended up getting an opportunity. I was driving down to look at my apartment complex in Southern Arizona. And as I was driving down there, you know what? I, I hate doing remedial tasks. I fucking hate it. I would gladly pay somebody. Now, I had an assistant working for me for three and a half years who had a side business, and her side business started taking off like crazy. So she moved on to bigger, better things. Congratulations to her. I'm so proud of her. But that left me without an assistant, and that man left me with having to book my own hotel rooms and shit. <laughs> I, I don't do any of that. Uh, I, I was flying out to Arkansas to go check on. I was building the relationships with our with our vendors. I was building a relationship with our contractors. I was getting all the rehab that needed to be done on these particular units. And I said, dude, if I don't go down to Douglas to take a look at this apartment complex, I'm not going to be able to have a chance. I go down there. I, I literally book a place. I didn't even realize it's fucking Labor Day weekend, and I'm booking a, a hotel on Friday night. So I find I find a hotel on like literally right on the outskirts of town. It happens to be the only one there. I pull up and I talk, start talking to the Indian guy. And I'm like, dude, how long have you owned this? What else do you own? He owns some apartment complex in California. He owns a truck stop over in Texas. He owned this particular one that he was building up and eventually was going to sell it and something. So I just started shooting the shit with him. And I'm like, dude, would you ever even like consider selling this thing? You know, like how much money do you even make on this stuff? And I'm just curiously asking. And he got all excited. He was like, yeah, yeah, I'm interested in selling. So I said, you know what? I got to go check on my apartment complex. I'll go check that out tomorrow. I'll come back and then um, we can go into it. And we, I, I'll walk around and see if it's, if it's even of interest. Man, this it's a motel, but it's basically an apartment complex. All of the units are studios, but not like a motel studio, like a, like an actual studio. Right. A separate right. room on the front with the living room, a bed. They got, uh, they got a separate room for the kitchen uh, with the little dining room area. They got a separate section for the bathroom. So it's basically a, a, a studio. Then the rest of the units are basically a one bedroom, like literally a full kitchen, dining room area, living room area, separate bedroom, separate bathroom, like a completely one bedroom. 
So we're talking to him and he's like, yeah, you know, I'm thinking of selling it. The, the Section 8 office, they've been contacting me. They want me to turn this into a Section 8 unit. But I, I choose not to because he's an Indian guy. And, and one thing, if you know about Indians, they like to do a lot of is whatever they can get under the table, they can get under the table. So they're, they're very they're very savvy when it comes to paying the least amount of taxes as possible. <laughs> now, it's not the way that I pay the least amount of taxes as possible. I would rather have all my stuff in my books because we deal with, with, with investors and cash on cash people. Yep. But nonetheless, I said, hey, man, would you even be interested? He said, yeah. We went there. I took a look. I'm like, man, this is a very good condition. This is a very good. I asked the price that he wanted. It was actually a pretty decent price. I renegotiated. We went from a million dollars down to $850,000. He's seller financing this deal for me. So he's, he's having me come in with 30, 30% down, and he's seller financing the rest of the deal at 5.5%. Interest Boom. only for five years. Yep. So I had five years to sell or refinance this property, which is more than enough time, as you know, to get in, get out, I'm carrying it at five and a half percent, and then I'm just raising the rest of the money to come in with the down payment. Yeah. All right. So what about on that one? Because the play is Section 8, right? In that the play is Section 8, yes. So I have two plays on this one. Um, one of them is Section 8, and I would prefer to do Section 8. However, it's, it's literally uh, two, three miles north of the Border Patrol Station. Now, as we know, our boy Trump over here is talking about adding more, like 10,000 more Border Patrol agents, and they already don't have anywhere to house their asses anyway. No. Two of of these guys' tenants as a motel, the Border Patrol was paying 80 bucks a night. So he's making like 2,500 bucks a night from each one of these individuals. The Border Patrol is just paying because they don't have anywhere to stick them. So either I, I do, either I connect with the border patrol agency and say, "Hey, man, I can house 10, 20 of your individuals right here," or I directly go to Section Eight and mm. fill out this whole thing. Section Eight. Not the border, man, I they say border patrol, dude. Border patrol would be like the number one. Oh my god, that's yes. Nirvana, bro. Uh, I, I I know. And actually, what I, because of this, I've been learning that so many border towns are running through the same issue. My other town, uh, Douglas, is also a border town. They don't have enough places to stack them. And over there, they're, they're, they couldn't find enough places. So I'm looking for a bigger building in Douglas so that I can specifically turn to the to the Border Patrol. Dude, and it's all about filling the need, right? It's all about filling the need for what people need. Whether it's, it's Section 8 will always be there, right? So that's always, always something you can always go do, right? I was talking but to if, uh, but a But Border Patrol will probably mine. take care of it better. Exactly. I was talking to a good friend of mine who's got a very, very large portfolio and 95% of her portfolio is Section 8. And she told me, she was like, if Section 8 can't pay my rent anymore, then we have so many more bigger problems to worry about. (laughs) Yeah. You know, hey, listen, you know, everything's a vehicle, right? So like, um, I don't, we don't personally do any, any Section 8 or low income housing. Um, We're all open market. But when I was doing single families, I mean, I made more money on Section 8 than I did on anything else, right? So it's like, you just got to look at the play and what's the opportunity on the building and then is it worth it? And, um, you know, as long as you have strong cash flow, which I'm sure this property does. Oh, my God. It's ridiculous. So here's the thing. is like we're, we work in different levels. You, you work in much higher cost, higher value right. properties. But your, your main goal is kind of like a B-class, uh, A-minus type class uh, opportunity where in my scenario, I'm looking for smaller deals, somewhere between 25 and 75 units. 
in C-class neighborhoods. I, I'm going to help you raise that up eventually, yes. right? <laughs> well, it's really, it talks, it, the, the correlation is money, raising gas. Yes. Right. And, and it really is. It really is money. But the thing that I so I was I was kind of forced to be into the C-class neighborhood, especially in smaller markets, because C-class is great. C-class is amazing, man. Right now. So the property that we bought in Arkansas, I bought it at a 14 cap at purchase. Yeah. We're going to raise this motherfucker up to about an 18 cap. The property that I'm buying right now over in Bisbee, Arizona, I'm buying it at a 16 cap at purchase. We're probably raising this thing up to about a 20 cap. I just had another opportunity in uh, Alabama, Birmingham, Alabama. And then, and then you sell it at a five cap. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Once we churn it and burn it, because what, the same thing, one of the things that I love most about the Kahuna boardroom is that it, it really emphasized automation, especially when it comes to the property management side. Of it. Right. And one of the things that I do is I don't buy distressed properties. I buy from distressed owners. I buy yeah. from people that don't know how to fucking manage their shit. Yep. The property that I bought in Arkansas, 26 units. Every single unit was paying a different amount on a different day. Like that is a fucking clusterfuck as opposed yeah. to just, let me automate this thing. Let me put this on my software. Everybody's going to be paying the same amount. Everybody's going to be paying on the same date. Everybody's going to be paying online. All of these things are going to be 100% tracked. By the time that we reach our three-year mark, which is what the, the goal that we had for the Arkansas deal, and we turn around and package it and sell it to somebody, it's going to be a 100% turnkey machine where your property manager doesn't have to do shit. So we're nowhere, not even close to paying on 10%. Right. Because the system automates everything. And uh, I, I hey, what system are you using? At Folio. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my God. Yes. I tell people, and so anybody listening, if you are getting into the multifamily realm, if you are in the multifamily realm, and if you don't use that folio, you're a fucking idiot. Now, that folio doesn't pay me to, to say this. And if anybody knows anybody from our folio, they want to pay me, then let me know because I'm always singing their praises. Uh, <laughs> at folio, literally the best way that I can explain that folio is that that folio interviewed a million people like me and you. People, yeah. like they said, look, you're good at this. You suck at all of this. We're going to have solutions for every single thing. Every time that I ran into something in that folio, they have answers to questions that I didn't even know I had. Right. They have solutions to problems that I didn't, know, didn't even know I was going to have. So here's what's funny. You're using it on smaller deals. We use it for all our deals, right? Mm-hmm. So 100 unit, 200 unit deals, 500 uh, bedrooms. It's still AppFolio. We use AppFolio for everything. Yeah, and it has we're going to continue. That ability to get to, to grow as big as you need it to be. Right. Actually, the only downfall with that folio is that if you're not that big, it's going to cost you more per unit until you reach that, you know, until you reach that threshold. Right. So, you know, it doesn't really make financial sense if you're about 50 units or, or less. However, though, I would still I would still suggest that you guys sign up for that because for the cost, man, and how easy and, met, and then the reports in the back end and everything that it does on the front end is just amazing. So I've been able to take that system and able to implement the knowledge that I have about building a relationship with people and contractors. And I've been able to, to set up property managers that don't really have to do much. Right. They don't really have to do much. They don't have to collect anything. They don't have to do anything other than just show the apartments and basically make sure that all of our contractors. Are you are- setting up your tenants on ACH? Uh, yes. And preferably on ACH and through that folio, it actually encourages the tenants to do at ACH. Yes. They can pay with a debit card, but there's a convenience fee, which is about three, uh, 4%, something like that. 
If yeah. they if do ACH, it's 100% free. And then if they do cash, they have to go out of their way, go to some store, pay some convenience fee at that store, and then that's the only way that they can yep. So I like that because it kind of pushes them to go ACH, which is like an electronic check for you guys. That don't Amen know. to that, dude. That's exactly how we do it. That's how we take money. Yeah. That is our, one of our biggest, like, people don't even realize, like, Oh, I'm like, listen, you, we are we are paperless. We don't even take money. If you've got money, we're like, uh, sorry, dude, can't take it. Um, go to the grocery store, go log <laughs> in, go get a, a check visa check card. But yep. You got to pay online, bro, yep. or you need to get a checking account. We tell them that you can't even apply for us without having an email address. Yep. So that's been one of my biggest issues in the town of Douglas, Arizona. Douglas is an old small mining town right on the border. So in Douglas, I have two issues. I have, first of all, the small town mentality because people in small towns are usually behind when it comes to technology. And second of all, I have the Mexican mentality, which most of these people living in Douglas are, are were born in Mexico. Most of them are older people that were born in Mexico. They're used to reading the newspaper. They're used to listening to the radio. They're used to paying cash for things. So getting them to really understand and like this time I renewed leases and I said, you guys have the option. And I've already made it well known to them that come come the next year when we renew leases again, there's not an option. If you're not using that phone, you can't rent my apartment complex. I don't care how long you've been there. I don't care. It will it make collections so much easier because collecting money is the business of a bar. Yes. Right. Yes. And if you can get show up on, on the month on like, a lot of people don't know this. I don't think I've really said it, but like our rents do on the first and it's late on the second. Yeah. Like on the second, yeah. you missed it, dude. Like, because it ACH, right? Like it's automatic. Mm-hmm. You don't have to worry about checks in the mail or like rent on, late on the fifth, right? Rent's due on the first it gets, and it's late on the second and we start yeah. collecting, right? That's exactly, and, that's exactly how I have it set up with my people. Do on the first, late on the second, and then we give you a courtesy till the fifth. And you don't, you know, if you pay before the pay fifth, fee. you won't charge the late charge. Yeah. But if you pay on the sixth, you, you don't pay one day of late charge. You pay five days of late charge because it was, that was what it was supposed to be. So I make it very, very clear. And for any of you guys out there that, that are looking to get into the multifamily realm or are in the multifamily realm, you have to be strict and you have to be firm. No sideline deals, no bullshit, anything. No, hey, you cut my grass, I'll give you a discount on the rent. None of that stuff. Absolutely everything on the up and up. You pay me, here I pay you. That's how it works. No side deals, no nothing, because that will mess up everything that you do. That will mess up your books. That that can lead to confusion when it comes to your investors. If you guys are paying out your investors percentages, percentage of profits, or, or, or whatever it is, however it is that you guys are, are working these deals, structuring these deals with your investors. You've got to work on like a, a true business. Advice. Yep. Yeah. Screw yourself. Yep. And and really, that's the only way. when you If you run it like a business and the way it's supposed to be ran, you know, you are there to uh, provide clean, affordable housing, right? Mm-hmm. And tenants, you expect them to be like, this is your home. This is not your rental where you want to tear it up. This is your home. Mm-hmm. We're going to act like it's your home, right? And we want you to act like it's your home. And like, no, like, let's respect it. And if well, you don't play the by the rules, then you got to move out. And one of the reasons why I decided to go C-class and specifically stick with Section 8 is because they are basically bent over backwards to, to try to stick in that system. 
most places are not even, especially like big cities, but anywhere that I check, most places are not even accepting Section 8 applications anymore. That means they're so backlogged with people that want Section 8, which basically means that if you're on Section 8, you fuck up anything in my house. Anything. Hell, you look at me wrong. I report you to Section 8 office. They kick you out the program. You have a two-year waiting period before you can even reapply. And that's hoping that when you get back to that reapplication process, there even have spots available. Yeah. So a lot of times, you know, because I was kind of in defense as to whether I want to do Section 8 or not. Right. But once I started looking at the cap rates that I can get in these C-class buildings, I can get into it with a much smaller, uh, you know, it's just a few hundred thousand dollars versus a few million dollars. Uh, it makes it a lot easier for some of my investors to, to come in with that money. And, I, and then I saw, look, look, here's what I can do with Section 8 tenants. Here's what I can do. I can actually let them know, like, I know the rules. I know how it all works. And if you guys even think about doing any of this shit, it's going to be it's going to be your ass. And you guys are going to be fucked 10 ways from Sunday. You know, I've had, you know, and, and be this as it may, I had a, I had a, I had an interview with a tenant of mine who's renting a house that I own here in Section 8. She was driving a pretty nice car. She told me, she's like, look, I'm not fucking stupid. I'm not trying to get kicked out of this fucking program. Like, I got two fucking kids. I'm not trying to pay full rent. And so as long as I can do this, like, I whatever you need, whatever it is, like, you tell me I'm going to take care of this property like it's my home. And that's what we were getting at. You know, you want to get them that pride of ownership. And, and when I deal with Section 8 tenants, because the way that the program is structured, at, especially at this point where they know that they can't get back on another house, especially for a few years, they, they all of a sudden taking care of your property becomes so much more important to them. Hey, you know, a lot of people think that you got to take any se- Section 8 applicant. But that's not no, true. Not at all. Not at all. You still interview them like you do any mm-hmm. other tenant, right? Yeah, Section 8 is just where their money comes from. Yeah. And I, I have a very I have a very clear, concise uh, two-step program that I talk to my tenants. Don't fuck with my money. Don't fuck with my property. <laughs> If you don't see me, that's going to be the best thing that happened to you, Mister. <laughs> you you're going to suck. It's going to suck. Oh, I love it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> but, it, but you have to be that way, guys. You have yeah. to be that way. When I was over in Arkansas and I did my due diligence, there was one tenant that I, I looked at and I'm like, "Ooh, this chick's a fucking tweaker." Like I, I do, I do not want her in my property. I, I remember I was walking the properties. I, I purposely went there at nighttime. And I right. saw she was fighting with her boyfriend and then he, he chased her. And then five minutes later, they were coming back holding hands. And I said, oh, hell no. This is this is like this is bad written all over it. Right. <laughs> I showed up to Arkansas right right when I went a few, a few months ago and we were basically at the point of kicking her out. Now, she hadn't paid her rent. She had a bunch of stuff there. She was committed to the psych ward or something. Her kids were over there. They had a truck. They had a bunch of shit in the house. Now, I purposely went in there and I made sure that I said it as loud as I could. They're in the middle of the day, so everybody in the apartment complex heard me. And I was like, look, you motherfuckers, you guys till the end of the day to get your fucking shit out of here. And if you don't, I will gladly tow your truck down to the corner and sell it for $200. I will put your shit on fire. I don't want anything. I don't want you to lucky that I'm even giving you this opportunity because your rent was due on the first. We're now on the fourth. You're lucky that I'm even giving you two days to get your shit. I drove by there that night. So I told them this was at like 10 in the morning or something. I drove by there that night at 1130. They were still picking up their crap. I showed up the very next morning and they were completely gone. Now, I wanted to make sure that all my other tenants knew that I was not one to mess around with. You know, I'm going to be nice. 
I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you everything. I'm going to make sure that everything works at your place. I'm going to make sure that if anything's broken, then we come and fix it in a very, very timely manner. I'm going to make sure that if there's anything that pops up incorrectly on that folio, sometimes there's little glitches where it's in charging them late fees or stuff like that. I'm going to make sure that that all gets corrected and that gets taken care of. But I need you guys to understand that I'm not one to be fucked with. So you guys pay my rent on time and you guys take care of my property and we're not going to have any issues whatsoever. And guess how many issues I've had ever since? Absolutely zero. zero. <laughs> <laughs> the law showed up. <laughs> yes. Well, guys, you have to be this because, it, you know, if there's a saying, if you give somebody an inch, they're going to take a mile. And there's not there. It doesn't correlate any more than when it comes to apartments. If yeah. you let when one person be late one month, they're going to be late every month. If so what? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to jump in. No, sorry. Well, you're, so, you already know. Well, I was to say like advice tips, right? So that's what I want to get is yes. what advice and tips like. That was just when I just I just ran ran railroaded you there. So, but give me your like your top three or four tips on on what you've what you've understood for management, like managing and, and like, or even just like in the industry, your top top three or three things that you well, really would want to educate or give people. Number one, when it comes to management, treat people the way you want to be treated. So many multifamily unit owners don't even talk to their managers. So many of them are just like, I'll take care of it. Don't fucking talk to me. Like, just take care of it. Don't do that. You know, they're just human beings, just like you and you and I. If you are able to connect in a human to human level with your property manager, there's a lot fewer chance that he or she is going to take advantage of you. There's a lot smaller chance that he or she is going to try to go behind your back. If you just treat them with respect. When I showed up to Arkansas, Hope, Arkansas, which is a little tiny shitty town, my property managers literally rolled out the red carpet for me. Dude, they, this is how much they love me, bro. They knew that I was single. They knew that I liked dating black women. They literally had two dates lined up for me with two cute black chicks. <laughs> That's how much they wanted to take care of me. Why? Because I take care of them. They manage another apartment complex down the road. Oh, uh, I love your story. Pays them, that pays them late. This sometimes doesn't pay them at all. Right. Says, hey, you know what? I promise to pay you 200 bucks a month for the landscaping, but this month, eh, I changed my mind and I'm just going to give you 100 bucks. Because of the loyalty that I've been able to create with them and just talk to them human to human, it's been the most amazing thing. And, and I, I have one of the most loyal property managers around. This guy will, will go to bat for me. This guy is my little pit bull. He's out there. He doesn't let anybody get away with anything. And that's what you want from human interaction. Second of all, don't rely on people to know what the fuck you're thinking or how you want things done. Uh, read, job, mind readers. Mind readers, yes. Yeah, I don't we, know we, any we, of them. As, um, as human beings, we all have this. We understand mind readers. As men, especially men, straight men who date women, we understand the concept of you should know what you did wrong. <laughs> no, I'm not a mind reader. I'm not a mind reader. So when it comes to your property managers, you cannot be mad at them for not doing something that you never taught them how to do correctly. Yeah. I am a big fan of The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Huge fan of The Art of War by Sun Tzu. And in The Art of War, Sun Tzu, he talks about how he was, they, they brought him to this Chinese, Chinese dynasty who said, hey, man, I want you to lead my army. 
And he and the, the Chinese uh, emperor, as a joke, said, you know what? Uh-uh. I'm not going to give you my army. I'm going to give you this, this group of concubines. And I'm gonna, I want you to teach them this. And if you can teach them how to do this, then I know you can teach my army. So Sun Tzu said, all right, I can teach them how to do that. They taught them a, a, a dance routine. And they said, you guys have to do this exactly step by step. Now, he did. He showed them. They, they didn't really learn correctly. So he said, you know what? It's my fault. I didn't teach you correctly. Let me go step by step as to what needs to be done. So he taught them. He took. He got the two best of them and said, you're the leaders. You're going to make sure. And here's I mean, you, you understand this, correct? I'm making this very clear, correct? Yes, yes, yes. All right. They go. They do the show and they mess up. Sun Tzu gets a sword and chops their fucking head off. The leader, like literally just chops her head off. She falls dead and says, this is life or death. I taught you guys what needs to be done. Did you guys understand me? Do I need to go over this again? Okay, so you're telling me that if you go ahead, you understand that if you don't do this correctly, I will kill you. That's an extreme example, but that's what you have to do with your property managers. You <laughs> that's a very extreme example, but that's what you have to do. Look, here's what I expect. I expect you to do this, this, and that. If they don't do it the way you want them to be done, you have to take the very first step is look into yourself and say, did I teach him or her exactly what I needed to be done? Or was I just expecting them to read my mind and do it the way that I needed to be done? Yep. A lot of times we have that issue. You know, I, it's a very different living in Phoenix, Arizona, big old city to going to Hope, Arkansas, 10,000, bang, 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 bang. You know, it's a different, <laughs> different mentality as to how you got to talk to these people. But clear and concise conversations are clear and concise conversations. Right. So I reached out to them and I said, hey, I need you to do this. They didn't do it correctly. I said, oh, shit, you know what? I apologize. I didn't tell you exactly how to do it. I need you to do this. Uh, here's how I'm going to do it. Here's how it's going to get it done. Here's how you do it. Here's how it works. Blah, 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 blah. The second that the person didn't do it correctly, I fired Dude, the person that I fired is the wife of the guy who currently works for me. I didn't give a fuck. Fuck you. You're doing good. You're following my instructions. She's not. Let me chop her head off because I don't fuck around when it comes to that. And you cannot expect that of your employees if you're not providing a system for them, if you're not providing clear guidance, clear directions as to what they should be doing. And preferably if you can have it in writing, so that way there's no misunderstanding. Oh, yeah. It's got to be written down. All your work. systems. I mean, management is all about systems. You have yes. to have systems written down in a place where procedures, because people are not, I mean, like you just said, people are not mind readers. They just are no. not. They can't do it. And, and the last thing is you have to understand is that your property manager is not like you. They're not as ambitious as you. They're not as goal-getting as you. They are your everyday people. And your everyday people have the exact same mentality. How can I do the, the least and get paid the most? Yeah. Every single person that you deal with has that mentality. So it's your job as an owner to understand, hey, if I give my property manager a task and say, hey, come up with this, come up with these ads for my for my apartment complex. I'm going to have to assume that they're going to do the laziest, crappiest job that they can get away oh, yeah. with. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. So you can't expect them to be, you know, Mr. Mar Mr. and Mrs. Marketer. Right. You have to create that for them. And the last tip that I want to give is make it to where they're doing as little as possible. 
They are not, they, him or her, they're not supermen. They, they can't do every single thing. They're humans. They get distracted. They're lazy. It's your job to create a system that allows them to do this as little as possible. And that's why I love the at folio because at folio basically removes them from having to collect rent, basically removes them from having to chase down people, removes them from having to fill out leases, removes them from having to do the application, review the application, all these things that it kind of removes. So then it allows my manager to be like, look, way more efficient. Oh, you have two jobs, motherfucker. Like, that's all you do. Everybody that responds from our ads, you make sure that you show them the apartment if they're interested. You make sure that you that you get them to fill out the application online. And once they're if any if any thing we have any issues, you make sure that the that the contractors are doing what they're supposed to be doing. You're supposed you make sure that they're here, you make sure that they follow up with them and they're doing what they're supposed to. Very, very mm -hmm. simple. So I create the least amount of moving parts for my managers to to I don't even want to give them a chance to fuck up. Right. Like, I don't want to set them up for failure. I don't want to say, take care of all of this. Let me know how it goes. Right. I want to let them know, here's exactly how it goes. Here's exactly what I'm expecting. And if you don't do it, I'm a fire ass and bring somebody else in there. Because I don't care if you have experience. I care if you know how to follow directions. Yeah, follow the rules, right? Follow the rules, man. Sweet, brother. Listen, how does everybody... Uh, if they're wanting to know more about BP and because uh, I love your guys' AZ Flip guys, uh, how do people get in touch with you? What's the best way? So basically, you can get in touch with me a few different ways. You can find me on Instagram at Cashflow Creator. That is my handle. You can also connect with my business partner at Cashflow Chris. You can also follow us at the AZ Flip guys or at AZ Flip guys. Uh, you can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash AZ Flip guys. But more than anything, our show, Flipping Fridays, that which recently turned over into a podcast. So if yes. you are on podcast, if you're on uh, iTunes, if you're on Spotify, uh, Podbean, or any of these other uh, places where you can get podcasts, you can search us under The Flipping Friday Show. You can search us under AZ Flip Guys. If you happen to be on online and you want to face, you actually want to do, because what we do is we do a live show. Now, we put the recorded version on, on uh, online but we do a live show. So every single Friday, facebook.com backslash AZ flip guys, every Friday at noon, Arizona time, we do a live show where you can actually interact with us. You can actually ask questions. We just interviewed. That's the a great people. show, by the way. I mean, yeah. that's, it's a lot of fun. We, we did. We, we had you on for the second time. That was two weeks ago. Yeah. The amount of interaction, the amount of people, you know, we had people asking questions about raising money, OPM, we have questions about, hey, where do I go? How do I get started? How do I get more information about the Kahuna boardroom? All these different things. We make it very, very interactive. And the one thing that, that we have in common with Corey is that I don't sell anything. I don't pitch anything. I don't promote anything. We're just giving out content. Whether you want to be in the multifamily field, whether you're a brand newbie, whether you want to get into wholesaling or fixing and flipping, We've gone over gap funding. We've gone over private money. We've gone over hard money lending. We've gone over partnerships, JVs. And we've literally broken down our last two apartment deals on the whiteboard numbers, what we're buying them for, what we're paying on our investors, what we're looking to make. We are 100% an open book. And we just yeah. hope to take this information and we do something with it. Dude, that's amazing, dude. Listen, if you're not, you should be checking out uh, the AZ Flip guys, Brian Paciano. BP, good friend. I, I love what you're doing. I'm so inspired by your growth, right? I mean, I've really watched the guy that 
you know, five years should have took my advice, but listen, <laughs> um, you're, you're listening now and you're out there doing it, dude. Like yeah, better, better late than never. Right. And yeah, man, doesn't matter when you start as long as you start. Right. That's the one thing with me that I've noticed and that I teach all my students, because I do offer one-on-one -on -one mentorship to students, specifically people that are wanting to get into the, into the real estate realm. I, you know, I, one of the things that I teach them is that it's all about building your foundation because once you build your foundation, you can build up as fast as you want and you'll be able to sustain that growth a lot faster than people that just run out the gates and try to do it. So, you know, even though I do kick myself in the ass for not listening to you five years ago, I also understand that it took me five years to prepare to myself. To be ready. To be ready. Yes. To be ready. And that's okay. Updates are coming. And you've seen this, bro. You've seen it from me. Dude, I went, I'm, I'm about to have, so if I close on, on this uh, Bisbee deal and this Alabama deal, I'm going to be at 120 units. Yeah. At the end of the year, I had two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, baby. And that is the growth of being able to come in and have your mindset, you're ready to go. And once you're ready to go, then you can start launching. Imagine if you did that every year, right? Every year you get a hundred to hundred or so units and really you'll start getting bigger units sooner. We're right? going to start getting a whole lot bigger units. I mean, what's happening right now is that as we, as I close on more multifamily deals, as I get bigger and bigger, you know, my first one was 300,000. My second one was 500,000. This next one here is a million. Uh, the next one after that, I think the, our Alabama deal will be like 400,000. But nonetheless, they're kind of growing bigger in numbers. As yeah. we grow, more investors start realizing, more people with big, deeper pockets start realizing it. And, you know, I mean, I've taken a lot of the lessons that I did with you. I met somebody at an event. I actually ran into them while I was over in New Mexico visiting family members. Uh, I, we started talking and found out that her husband invested in real estate. He's an attorney. <laughs> She's a housewife and hangs around with a bunch of other rich housewives. So I was like, hey, I got this great opportunity. I would love for you to tell me your feedback. And I would love for you to tell me if this might be something that's a big fit for your friends. You know, I know the birds of a feather flock together. And if you're a successful attorney and you happen to be this cool, I know that you probably hang around other cool, successful people. I would love for you to review this and let me know how it is that you think. And honestly, I think I'll probably be able to pull about a million dollars or so from that group. Uh, and it's all because of the stuff that I learned over at the board. Don't ever ask people for and money. Just ask them who they, they know. Ask who they know, bro. And I took in those lessons and I took them to heart. And, and I do want to tell you guys one last thing before we sign off. I came from nowhere. My parents were immigrant parents from Guatemala. English was my second language. I came from absolutely no money. I didn't know anybody with money. And I didn't have any friends with money, any neighbors with money, any uncles, relatives. Nobody, absolutely nobody with money whatsoever. I, I, I cuss all the fucking time. I, I smoke a lot of weed. I drink a lot of alcohol. I am probably the least professional person that you will ever meet. And from, from the hindsight, from the outside, uh, looking in, once you get to know me, I'm an extremely professional person. But the whole purpose of all of this is I'm just a regular guy. Uh, if I, you know, Honestly, if I'm able to do it, you're able to do it. And whatever your situation is, you know, it doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what you look like. It doesn't matter what you have or you don't have. If you're willing to put in the work, if you're willing to build the relationships, if you're willing to really, really just learn, humble yourself, shut the fuck up and really, really pay attention, you can also go from being a broke-ass kid who grew up in the south side of LA and fucking gangs and everything else to a motherfucker who's about to be a millionaire at the end of the year.
Boom. <laughs> <laughs> yes, bro. <laughs> That's what I'm about, <laughs> Close the house down, dude. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So I knew this was but that 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 was my gift to you. <laughs> oh yeah, man, dude. Listen, hey, uh, you know, you know how we do, dude. So, uh, listen, you know, BP just broke it down. You know, it doesn't matter where you start. It it really only matters how you finish. You know, you will make mistakes along the way. That's okay. That's part of growth. You will fail sometimes, right? The goal to feed your mind and find the right mentors and friends is so you don't make the game changing like mistakes that takes you out of the game, right? Yes. But all the other stuff you're going to have to go through, right? You're going to have nicks and cuts and scrapes and crap. You're going to lose some money here and there. You're going to make some bad decisions, but you're going to learn a lot, right? And that that knowledge is so powerful if you put it in action, right? Um, yes. BP, I've heard about money. In the boardroom, man. Yeah. You know, the, the best way to walk across a minefield and multifamily investing is a minefield. The best way to walk across a minefield is to follow the footsteps of somebody who has successfully made it to the other side. Amen to that, bro. Corey is that type of person who has successfully made it to the other side. Oh. I am making it to the other side. I am this fucking close to making yeah, it. Yeah, I'm watching you, dude, and I love it. I honestly... And I'm following your footsteps. Like, literally, guys, I'm not that fucking smart. I just look at people and, hell, Corey's not even that fucking smart. We just follow... Nope people that had done it before we listen to them we shut the fuck up we say we don't know you know i'm gonna do what you say i'm gonna follow your example you know you did that with lindahl i did that with you there's gonna be somebody else that does that with me and and as you, as you mentioned in my podcast you know it's your it's your uh, it's your duty to be reaching up with one hand but at the same time reaching down and pulling somebody else up with you all the time no matter what yes, guys sir. Hey, thank you for thank you for coming, dude. Thank you for spending your time here, BP. Yes, uh, that was a, this is a great episode. So honored to have you on as my uh, as my guest on my fifty on my year anniversary. Yeah, dude, year anniversary. Of the multifamily oh. legacy podcast, <laughs> guys. If you're out there right now and you're saying to yourself, "Man, I want to be successful in real estate. I want to start having uh, lots of cash flow show up time and time again." But I'm tired of being in the rat race of the hustle and grind of fix and flip and wholesale and uh, that you truly want a new life, a new way. Uh, it is in the multifamily space. I truly believe it. I have a gift for you. Uh, if you want to take action now, go to kahunawealthbuilders.com and get my opt-in to get my free quick start workshop video series. It's a good series that it'll, they'll start wetting your beak of what it takes to be. Uh, oh yeah. And then, and oh, oh yeah, there you go. BP showing up my book right now. Uh, why the rich get richer, the secrets to uh, multifamily apartments. And listen, uh, you know, it's a, it's, it's been an honor, but I believe most of life is your, your wins. Your wins are done by the two things right on the outside of your head. It's called your ears, right? In between that's your brain. And when you believe you can, when you start believing that you can, even you may not, you may not 100% believe it, but if you start telling yourself daily, that I am, I am successful. I, and, and, and do it as if you already own it, right? Be as if you already own it. When you do that, belief is everything. And I believe when you believe it, you can achieve it because your paradise is possible. <laughs>